Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. This week, we are going in for some screen time, talking the V for Vendetta film adaptation from 2005, directed by James McTeague, written by the Wachowski sisters, and also sort of people in the know think it was sort of shadow directed by the Wachowski sisters because it has some of their sort of like visual flares and they were like unit two directors. But all that to say, it's a movie starring Natalie Portman and Hugo Weaving as V. And I'll go on the record as saying it's my most basic opinion, but I really like this movie. Me, Me too. I, I love also this movie. like it. I will say, though, since I've seen this movie many times, including once a couple of months ago, uh, I think that after reading it, after reading the graphic novel, it definitely shifted my perspective of it in terms of looking at it as not just a movie that I like, but also as an adaptation. Mm. And one of the mm-hmm. things that comes in very early on is the idea of like, romance and in that very first opening scene where we see Guy Fox being hanged uh there's the like but what of the man and we see the woman who's like his wife or whoever in the crowd and I'm like oh I don't care for that <laughs> like watching it again I was like mm, I don't think we needed to start with this I think we could have started with the two of them getting ready I think that this was mm-hmm. unnecessary yeah I will say where I think the biggest misstep of this movie is is the little romance between V and Evie, I don't think it needs it. That felt, felt very yeah. like an unnecessary Hollywood thing. But other than that, I think this is better than the book. I think it's cleaner. I think it makes more sense. I said last week, yeah. I think that it's better than the book. And I do stand by that. But I definitely did see it in a different light in terms of adaptation. And there were some things that I was like, oh, it makes so much sense that they did this instead of that. There were other things where I was like... That really does, like, Alan Moore is kind of right. This does really change the way that the thesis is perceived. And if you note, Alan Moore at the end doesn't have his name in the credits. It just yeah, says, at all. from the novel, graphic novel illustrated by David Lloyd. It doesn't oh, I did not right. know that. 
He's like, yeah. nope. Oh, yeah, no, he just disavowed himself. Okay. He was like, I ain't write this. I don't know what this trash is, but I did not write it. I mean, it's such a bold I, stance. Like, yeah. to be like, I hate it. He, I didn't he, I thought he refused to, he didn't watch it either. He just read the screenplay. I read I it he, and, like, was like, I hate this, which <laughs> is <laughs> funny to me because I, my reaction to this movie was I loved it. I thought the script, the adaptation from a script perspective was a plus, mm-hmm. like just so like taking out all of the ideas and streamlining and making it really compelling and really making it about EV. I thought the directing mm-hmm. was a little B movie. Like, I think I wish the Wachowskis didn't just shadow direct it. I wish they directed, directed it. Uh, I know that you mean B like A versus B, but I was thinking B movie B starring movie. Jerry oh. Seinfeld was also, you said it. Yes, so I'm sorry I'm giggling. It has very, a lot of um, similarities to B movie starring Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> a lot of the same motifs and themes. Um, yeah, I, I think it was like, no offense to the director, but it felt like almost uh, a director trying to be the Wachowskis and wasn't quite as adept. To be fair, I mean, James McTeague has not had a long career after this movie. No. Um, his biggest credit up until this movie was assistant director on Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Um, uh, a beloved movie by all moviegoers. I this, was was very- this was his first feature film. I think it was cool that the Wachowskis, uh, when I looked it up, because I was like, why didn't they direct this? And I got very up in arms about it. I was like, oh, they didn't want to. They wanted a break and wanted to just kind of direct from the side and maybe probably get more sleep. Um, So they brought up their first AD, which is a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I really liked that Alan Moore hated it so much when I thought there were so many little love notes Mm -hmm. to the book in this movie. There are just all these wonderful Easter eggs, like um, like the dolls in Prothero's shower, where Mm -hmm. they don't talk about how he's an avid doll collector, (laughs) but like if you've read the book, you know, and it's a fun little nod. Or the showgirls in their showgirl costume on uh, Daddy Dietrich's show. And you also reference, they reference, um, there's a little tiny little clip of Storm Saxon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laser yeah. Girl is banging. And I do, yeah. I think if you watch it for a second, you see that the villain is like a really um, racist caricature of an Arab person, which does yep. feel like in 2005, and I mean, that it was a little more Bush, like Bush era what the racist villain absolutely would be on a show like that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. I I particularly liked this adaptation for the tr- the character choices that were made, like letting Evie have a lot more agency, uh, mm-hmm. putting her in a position as someone who works in the like state media news uh, station. Also loved the choice of how V was directed and how he's like, much more charismatic, much more like kind of devilish and fun. And I also liked the choice that they made for Finch too, to actually like let that, like the, the very final panel in the book now feels appropriate for the Finch that was depicted in the movie. Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. This person who is like, has been working under the thumb of this like this terrible authoritarian government and is starting to see how bad they are and is trying to piece together the puzzle and in the end makes mm-hmm. the choice to let Evie send that train to Parliament. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I okay. loved that. He and like the the fact that she frames it as hope 
I think really gives me chills. I, I will get to it, but I, the end of this movie, when everyone's removing their masks mm-hmm. and we get whisper, I, whisper, I always cry, yeah. whisper quick flashes of her parents mm-hmm. and of, of Valerie, Valerie and of Gordon. Oh, I'm getting chills just saying it. I find mm-hmm. the end. I'm such a, I'm such a wimp. I'm like, oh, he's so good. They're all there and he's mm-hmm. them and they're him and it's an ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's effective. It's it cathartic. Is. It really is effective. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's super cathartic. It's the cathartic ending that we wanted from, that we talked about last week of just like, there's hope. And also V goes out the way that V wants to go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I really love that they make Evie older. I think it is weird yeah. that she's 16 mm-hmm. in the graphic yeah. novel. Mm-hmm. I am uncomfortable with it, especially when she gets into that intense sexual relationship in <laughs> book two. Uh, but something else that I really like, I love the scene where V is introduced and where Evie is introduced to V. Because as I was reading the latter half of the graphic novel, I was like, why, why do I like V? Like, I don't think I do. And in the movie, watching the movie again, I was like, oh, that's why I've always liked this character. Because he's definitely still a little, like, not all there all the time mm-hmm. and doesn't think the way that I think we would think as your lay people who are not theater people who took one poli <laughs> class. But, uh, like, in that scene where he does his, like, monologue with all the Vs and voila, in view of vicissitude, blah, blah, Ooh, blah, 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 blah. Karama. I did three V's. I cannot do the whole thing. And I there was a point where I was like, I'm gonna learn this when I was like 20, I think. And then I was like, I'm not gonna learn this. <laughs> um, but I love like when Evie asks him, Who are you? And he says, Who is but the form following the function what? And what I am is a man in a mask. And then she's like, Right, I can tell that. And he's like, right, I'm just saying you don't ask somebody in a mask who they are. And like, I love that. Like, it's like the Brits say, they got good banter, yeah? Yeah. And Sian, you're totally right that like, he is way more fun and funny oh, yeah. in this mm-hmm. than he is in uh, the graphic novel. I also really, if we're talking character changes, I really love what they do with Gordon who's played by yeah. Stephen Oh, yes, I love him. I so, love yeah. My favorite character yeah. in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. He's basically an invention for the film. The only similarity is he's, you know, an older man who Evie comes to for, like, protection and safety. But in the mm-hmm. film, if you haven't seen it, Gordon is uh, a host of a television program, and he's famous and has he's money. He's Michaels. Yeah, he's Lauren. Well, and he host, but he hosts the show. He's Stephen Colbert. He's yeah, Stephen yeah, Colbert. Yeah. He's, more, yeah. he's more Stephen Colbert. He, That's yeah, yeah. And, um, and he in the 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 first night that Evie's out on the streets, she wasn't trying to work her first night as a prostitute. Uh, she was going on a date to visit uh, Dad Gordon Dietrich at his house. Daddy Dietrich, uh, Daddy literally Dietrich. also Daddy Dietrich at his house. Um, but we find out that he sort of invites her as a front that he is a closeted gay man and that he, you know, is a member of this party, but is. Um, secretly rebellious he you know has a copy of the quran he has banned art and eventually he's uh arrested and killed in a way that uh, maybe as someone who works in media i found so affecting because you sometimes think that like money or fame or at least like public attention will save you it's very much like i mean he thought that yeah he thought thought that he was like he thought that he was going to have to do a boring Uh, fundraiser uh, pay a fine fine after doing a show that made fun of the chancellor and And, i I, know you will die i think it's viscerally scary to see someone like that then get his 
uh, it's not comeuppance, uh, but, but then get punished. It made that was like the moment where I'm like, oh, this government is fucking scary. Mm-hmm. And I felt that fear yeah. so viscerally because he was someone with what should have been power, but then was made powerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do also feel like I should point out um, Daniel, worked, my, my husband worked for a talk show for a very long time. He worked for Colbert. And every time he has seen the show that Dietrich puts on, he points out that it is a terrible show. It's very, <laughs> it's it's so very dumb it's so and stupid. done to Benny Hill music. But it's I very think British, that's effective. Though. It's very uh, British. No, no, no. No, no I've seen Monty Python. Like, they could have done a lot better. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Daddy Dietrich puts on this um, appallingly bad, like, vaudeville sketch making fun of the Chancellor. And I think that's actually really effective because I think to any modern audience, that show is very bad. Um, And everybody in their society loves it. Like, that is the most rebellious thing they have seen in decades. It is wildly (laughs) subversive by their standards. I think it's intentionally bad. I know my husband just thinks the people making this movie had no idea what talk shows are no, and had indeed never well, seen them. Well, it's interesting that you said decades because what's really weird about this movie and watching it again, the timeline for how long they've been under this dictatorship was much shorter than I had imagined it in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because, what, 10 like, years? they were still making regular... No, it was less because uh, in Valerie's thing, because the years have been shifted, obviously, for the film because the film came out in 2005. So they were like, we're not going to set this in the 90s. This is... I think it'll resonate more if we set it in the future, which is it's set in 2020. Um, so she says in 2005, I came out to my parents or whatever. And then in 2000, I think 15 was when she was when she taken. was taken. But we know but we know that maybe they only came for gay people later because Evie's parents were taken mm-hmm. when she was when she was That's 12, true, when she was when she was 12. 12 yeah. And we can assume that mm-hmm. she's probably 22 now. Or younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so I, mm-hmm. I assumed maybe like they came for political dissidents first and then it just mm-hmm. got worse and worse and worse. And also, I think we also have to assume that um, Valerie was hiding for a while, that they maybe mm-hmm. weren't public about their relationship. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I mean, Valerie was also a movie star. Like, yeah. Valerie might have had the protection that comes from being a wealthy white woman mm-hmm. in almost any society for a while until she didn't, much like Gordon Dietrich. Yeah, that mm-hmm. whole that whole thing made me cry. <laughs> it's so beautifully that, so the yeah, Valerie so the done. Valerie sequence is maybe one that is the closest to mm-hmm. the the novel, and I think it really works. What do you guys think? I love. I love. That. I agree. I love it's it. my it favorite part like of the movie. Eighty five percent verbatim from the yeah. graphic novel. Yeah. I would say there yeah. were a, there were just like slight changes that I noticed having read it very recently. I was like, oh, okay. But I think that they were changes that were meant to honor and uplift the story, mm-hmm. not to take away from it. I think generally the changes in the movie were made to honor and uplift the story. It, it, yeah. To me, read think, as people who really loved the graphic oh, yeah. novel. They love it. It's yeah. very yeah. clear they love it. I, I mean, I love the choice, too, of like getting like going back and forth between Valerie and also Evie, like going mm-hmm. through the motion or being tortured and like coming back to the story every, like I loved that sequence. Also loved the outfits that those lesbians wore to come out to her parents. Yeah. I was like, Aww. this is what you think. This is amazing. <laughs> like, these outfits are insane. Um, <laughs> loved seeing like, what, what, when was this movie made? 
2005. Like, yeah, 2005, like 2005 dystopian lesbian clothes. I was like, nailed it. Loved it. <laughs> uh, there was a tiny thing that I realized watching it again this time. Because, again, this is probably like the fifth or, hey, the fifth, the, um, but at least the fifth time I've seen it. Uh, there was, he says that the notes were passed to him the same way that they were passed to her in the cell, which I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And then I remember that his entire body was burned in a fire. Where were the notes made of toilet paper? He, but he's the one How who set he... the fire. So maybe he. Oh yeah, he set that fire. So and yeah, then he, he emerged, it, but he like a walked phoenix. through it, yeah. mm-hmm. and his entire body was burned. Maybe he and it's paper. Maybe he hid those to pieces. It yeah, <laughs> yeah. He wanted to save. Or maybe he memorized it. I imagine he read it like hundreds of times. I feel like he put it in like he. He yeah. was collecting things. He put in a little tube. He put the tube of his butt right. <laughs> But I will say, in to that end, I really liked the detail of seeing V's hands. Like, I thought that was a really good, like, creepy but perfect moment of, like, seeing the hands. And because that's all you need to understand Mm -hmm. is, like, that he is not the man behind this mask. And then it kind of puts that to rest and in a way that is, like, delicate and, like, you see her at first kind of shirk back and then have this sympathy and like wanting to know more. And, and it gives you that point of interest of like, what did happen to him if you hadn't read the book? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I really thought so many of the details that, that enriched V in this, in this movie really made me love V a lot more. And to that end, I want to talk about Hugo Weaving um, <laughs> love Hugo Weaving. We love Hugo. We stand Hugo. I feel like we were talking about this on our thread, but just to bring listeners in that like, uh, who was it? I have it pulled up. Um, that James Purifoy Pur- Pur- was hired to play V, but then he like couldn't get into the mask stuff and was fired. And then, oh. and then Hugo <laughs> Weaving, who played the villain in The Matrix, who that in that performance in and of itself i think is just completely underrated mm-hmm. um and is, he was an lotr mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah came in and was like i can take use my mask work from the theater <laughs> and i'm like great we have a nerdy theater theater major coming in playing v it is perfect um i still felt the real theater major a, mm-hmm. Annoying theater major flair. I wrote at some point when oh, he was yeah. when he was putting up all those dominoes. I was like, I was like, the dominoes <laughs> are just for him, and it's like he's just, just for him. Weeks, weeks putting up those dominoes. Do you, do you know how long mm-hmm. it takes putting up dominoes? And it takes a really long time. I read on the like trivia page <laughs> on IMDb that it took thousands of hours for multiple people to put together those dominoes. Yeah, because they probably fucked up a bunch of times. experts. They uh, were domino experts. Is V a domino (laughs) expert? I don't think so. And also, I will say, the dominoes are lifted directly from the graphic novels, but it was a much less elaborate setup in the graphic novel. They were like, oh, we're just going to do the outline and then (laughs) the the circle. Like, we're good. Yeah, they filled it it in. I got different colors, filling it in, mm-hmm. gonna knock it down, like thousands of hours. I mean, how many times, I'm just, just thinking him. like for prop 
prop work. He didn't, even, props. he didn't even call Evie in like, hey, Evie, look at this. Look at this. This is going to be really cool. Look, look. <laughs> <laughs> didn't record it. Like, for the I, know, <laughs> I know that I'm like, I don't live my life for other people. And like, you, you should try like doing things just for you more. But if I set up all those dominoes, I would definitely like call my mom. Yeah. Like, I, I care with people. Like, I take a picture. Yeah. Take a picture. <laughs> he did a really good job. Yeah. yeah, I'd be proud of myself, and it's like I don't want to say it's weird that he does it just for himself, but in this particular instance, I was like, I don't get it. Like this is elaborate. Okay, I have to go set up thousands of dominoes <laughs> just for me. I'll be back. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess, the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slightly back to the the film, I think the movie makes a very strong choice to want to tie everything up in a much neater package than the book does, where mm-hmm. first there's mm-hmm. V, his first main announcement at Jordan Tower is the, the day after, or I guess the day of, of November 5th, and he says, in one year, this is what's going to happen, I'm going to do this. So the entire movie has the entire uh, time frame of one year, but also- I loved that. Mm-hmm. Me mm-hmm. too. And mm-hmm. also, maybe... The- it was smart screenwriting. Just, mm-hmm. like, put a clock Very on it. Yeah, That's what they tell you. Yeah. Put a clock mm-hmm. on it. 
And, but also the, the, the most like come together thing that I think they do is something totally different that's not in the uh, book, but the idea of this St. Mary's virus. That there was, yes. that yes. there, there are these, these testing facilities, uh, Lark Hill, like these concentration camps. But at these concentration mm-hmm. camps, the thing, the testing that they were doing on V, which wasn't yeah. really specified in the graphic novel, if I recall, was, we find out uh, in the film, was genetic uh, warfare. Not genetic, viral warfare, which is like a, now a, a, a legal under the Geneva Convention, I think. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were coming up with what they thought would be the next atom bomb, which was a, a virus as a weapon. So that is specifically what they were testing at this place where V was. And then we find out, or the detective discovers, that the government actually used this St. Mary's virus on their own people, said it was Islamic extremists, and then used that to uh, overthrow the government, which is a not so, I mean, it's it's a little Bush did 9-11, but a not so veiled uh, connection, though, to like, well, when there's an act of extreme terrorism from an outside force, government mm-hmm. consolidates power uh, under mm-hmm. nationalist identity. Like, that is something and, historically mm-hmm. that happens. I mean, and also that they yeah. had the cure, too. That was yes. a big part of it. Yeah. It would be crazy and if they, like, very... called it something like the China virus or something, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Like, well, that wouldn't they, be topical. You know, I mean, that yeah. whole part when they were showing the newspapers and it was like, 80,000. It was 80,000 dead. dead. And, and the government. Today we hit 250,000. Yeah. Yep. And it was just like, oh, even in like the the, the wildest imagination of the Wachowskis, that like eighty thousand dead to a was government a would would be like ruining. And it's like, I guess yeah. not. I For, guess yeah, not. No. Imagine if people found out that the government had done nothing, and they were like, "We love those guys. Vote them in for another term. Let's Don't make change anything." I literally had to take a nap yeah. after I saw that. I was like, I can't. I just paused the movie and took a nap to, because I was like, that's to me, not hearing even hearing that a, many people. To me, oh, God, to reference, <laughs> like, <laughs> hearing a film to reference, like, you can't leave quarantine. I was like, oh. Mm, I know. It was a real bummer. This is a real, <laughs> real, is a real bummer. <laughs> it also made me very sad because the government, like, specifically probably, like, targeted the St. Mary's school because, like, oh, an attack on children is so atrocious. Irish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out there are going to be a lot of people yeah. being like, "You should open up St. Mary's." Yeah. Like, if some that's, die, some die. That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, just like open up schools. No big deal. That's the thing. Yeah. It's um, everything is worse than any dystopian director could have possibly imagined. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting also how there was. I mean, Alan Moore complains that it's very American and not British the, the way he wanted it to be. But I do was think it's interesting that it seems that I was just going to say. Oh. <laughs> not a great, not, <laughs> it's funny to me that I used to think that like, I was like, yeah, she's doing it. And watching it at this time, I was like, she's, she's trying. She's doing girl. something. Love you, girl. Yeah. Yeah. But that she needed a better dialect coach. Yes. Yeah. But what I was going to say was there's this scene where Creedy is talking to Finch. And he's basically accusing Finch of doing his job poorly on purpose because he sympathizes with the terrorists. And he's like, well, your family's Irish, right? It's terrible what St. Mary's did to the Irish. And there is like a lot of subtle, not, I mean, it's not subtle, but there is a lot of like racism toward the Irish. Even mm-hmm. before Prothero dies, he's talking about his Irish lighting uh, director of photography. He calls him yeah. a patty. Yeah. yeah, he calls him a patty. He's like, I don't want to see him there get rid of him he doesn't know how to light me 
if you don't get a new DOP tomorrow, things are going to be bad for you. And I'm like, mm, things are about to be real bad for you. <laughs> I mean, but you wish you weren't racist in your last moment. Can we pause? Well, they have dollies. to find new people to be racist. Well, <laughs> Melissa, please. Oh, just while we're on Prothero, him in the shower with his massive screens all around <laughs> oh, him. Yeah. Like, what? Does, so, I just like, does he jerk off it. to himself? Yeah. In yes. The yes. 100%. Yes. 100%. Yes. I imagine, like, day. Yeah. I He's imagine, mouthing like, along. Elon Musk has a bathroom like that. Just like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those screens are around. big. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you need it if you're not going to jerk off in the shower? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, even if he's not physically jerking off, he is emotionally jerking off to the idea of him being the voice of England. Okay, and but, but alternate idea that is more charitable than he deserves. Maybe he can't stand to be alone with his own thoughts. Um, like, you know, do you ever have that thing where you have a lot of anxiety about, like, things going on? Like, you just need the television on in the background? Yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it doesn't need to be his, his own, own show. show. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that, that, he's mouthing, <laughs> that he's mouthing along the words, too. Jennifer, I yeah, love just also the, throw thought, back. <laughs> the thought of, like, you know... Maybe he doesn't want to be alone when he takes a huge shit in this bathroom. Maybe he's he's guilty. Maybe he feels guilty and doesn't want to think about it. I mean, yeah, I think you're not wrong. These the I mean, there are elements of truth to that where it's like, yeah, these are I people think, who don't want to think critically. They want to distract themselves yes. constantly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that like it's interesting looking at this from the perspective of it being made in 2005 before social media was the behemoth that it is mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, having all these screens in your bathroom does seem like bananas. But usually most of us have a screen in the bathroom with us now. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's and my only like, time. 2005, MySpace existed Facebook was just about to, like, become a thing. Facebook was uh, a thing, but only in colleges. Yeah, it was about to, it was, it existed, but it was about to become, like, yeah. a revolution mm-hmm. and destroy democracy as we know it. It's fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what kind of revolution are you talking there? <laughs> yeah, because I joined Facebook, I think, in 2006. Yeah, and that was when you still needed to be a part of a network. Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal to us when they when they introduced no network, when anyone could join Facebook. Mm-hmm. It um, destroyed Facebook. Did you guys... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you guys like um, when Evie... Uh, a thing that she does in the movie that she doesn't do in the book is when she opens the window for V, for the pedophile priest, that she's like, yeah. help me, I'm uh, he, the terrorist, I want immunity, someone's going to murder you, and he thinks she's playing along. Mm-hmm. I thought that that, from a screenwriting point, in the moment, you're like, shut up, Evie. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. from a screenwriting standpoint, and also from like a narrative standpoint, it does it feels relatable where you're like, yeah, she has no loyalty to this insane guy. Mm-hmm. And also then it mm-hmm. gives her like a, a chance to to grow, to to get on board with his ideology because yeah, that maybe is what I would do if, you know, he let me out and is See, about to murder a guy. I think that was one example of how the screens play really worked for me in points when the directing did not, because I, there was mm-hmm. something about like the way it was staged and directed and shot that I was like not in it emotionally with her. Like you mm-hmm. weren't just with mm-hmm. her in that moment. You didn't see moments of her right before feeling terrified. Like it didn't tell that story to me in that moment. So it felt very jarring. And maybe it was also because I just read the book and was expecting a different outcome. 
But like from a storytelling perspective, it felt very grounded. Like that's what a young woman would do who felt trapped and had no loyalty to this man. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I didn't fully buy it. You're right. It would have been reason. so much better if we got like a moment where she's like scared and like mm-hmm. yeah. So we see that internal thing. A good point. Thank you. Rebuttal. Uh, it felt to me more calculated in terms of she had uh, Daddy Dietrich's address on a slip of paper in the shadow gallery and we see her looking at it and she's like, you know what, you can do this. And then she takes a moment to try and then be like, oh, V, you know, I want to help more. How can I help? Mm -hmm. So it felt more like a woman in a domestic abuse situation trying to get out. And then in that moment with the priest, she's like very hurried because she's like, you have like 12 seconds to help me get out. And I've been planning this very carefully. And I need you to be better than you are in this moment and help me. But also, why and why so- did she open the window for him? Yeah, that felt confusing to me. That was the one thing I couldn't wrap my head around. Yeah. I And I, yeah, I, I just felt like. I didn't buy it from an emotional perspective. Like, I wasn't with her and, and worried for her in that moment. I was more like, oh, this is a turn, you know? And yeah. not a way that well, I she needs Also, her the- face is on the news all the time, right? Like, when she says, I know she's wearing pigtails, but when she <laughs> says, I'm Evie Hammond, presumably he has seen many pictures of Evie Hammond. I love that his response is like, ooh, I like this game. This is... But <laughs> <laughs> it's also like He's a context. Like, I'm just going to keep pedophiling. Yeah. It's a context thing where it's like yeah. if you assume someone came from the agency, you're you're in that, mm-hmm. you're primed. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, been in situations primed really like that me. where it's like <laughs> I've seen a person's face a bunch of times. Dana, there was a time in college where we were waiting for a shuttle together okay. and you were talking to this okay. guy who had just okay. written a very controversial <gasps> op-ed for the newspaper. Oh, and the whole guy. time you were talking to him, I didn't realize it was him. And he kept looking at me like he was scared I was going to get <laughs> mad at him because a lot of black people were mad at yeah, him exactly. at that point. Um, the op-ed basically implied that only white men with land should be able to he vote. He was like, yeah. oh <laughs> nope, we settled <laughs> that one a while ago. <laughs> That's... Yeah, um, but yeah, and like it, when he left, and you were like, "Oh, that was." I'm not going to say his real name. I forgot his real name. Don't say it. Legal. Don't say it. I know it, but I'm not going to say it. But like that was Righty McWriterson, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was." So that I think I'll give him that he was expecting a child prostitute in that moment, and not a terrorist. <laughs> I mean, yes. look, I also think that is a little bizarre because in the book, um, Evie actually is very young. Like the fact that she's 16 mm-hmm. means that she is a child. She would still look like a child. Natalie Portman looks 25. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it implies that Natalie Portman Clearly. is so hot she cures pedophilia. Well, she, she <laughs> is, she's very pretty and she's dressed in pigtails. Sure. Yeah, that yeah. When the, And he's like, this is great. <laughs> when that camera whips to reveal, I was like, that this is this is a stretch. I'm sorry, but yeah. this is actually this is too far. Although for v, me. v did have that costume ready to go. Yeah, he has all costumes ready to go. That's yeah, it true. Felt I mean, there's that moment me. later in the movie where he dresses up like another person, and it's like surprise. Like it felt very much like he's the master of disguise. It also felt like he, yeah, <laughs> Natalie Portman's pigtail outfit. It felt like it was from another movie. Yes. Like it was like, oh, this is. Like a Hunger Games style, or like, or I was like, did we just girl. flip to like American a- Pie? Like, what movie is this? 
Although, I will say, I will defend the movie by saying that is an almost exact replica of the outfit that Evie wears in the movie. It's true. That's true. Yeah. That is but true. it doesn't fit the aesthetic of it this movie. It does not movie. translate. Yeah. <laughs> this graphic novel was written in the 80s. I also yeah. feel like her betraying him in that way does change the like the his motive like the way he betrays her later by like mm-hmm. tricking her into thinking mm-hmm. she's held prisoner like there is something it i don't have a strong opinion of what whether that's good or bad but it is like it's not just this oh, like the change yeah the change of him of her trying to betray him is like mm-hmm. it, then it feels a little vindictive that V uh, did this thing to her. And it's a little punishmenty. And the fact her. the fact that she did actively run away and then he captures her back and tortures her, just in the abstract, is gross. It, yeah, yeah, that's yucky. Yeah. When you say that in those yeah. words in that it, order, I'm like, yeah. oh. it's real yeah. bad because it also. Yeah. And this is why I also didn't like this choice. Is I really liked in the movie after she goes through the process of false imprisonment and shaves her head and is freed and the rain and all that stuff is the rain is beautiful and that whole mm-hmm. sequence um mm-hmm. when she leaves on her own volition and is like i'm what are you going to do you're a wanted woman she's like i'm not afraid anymore and she just walks away without a real plan but where right? does she go yeah where does she, she goes- go I don't know where she goes, but but I but I felt like to me the more emotionally honest thing for her to do is to stay under V mm-hmm. and not try to escape V f- with the priest because she is this wanted woman and she was afraid then. So I don't know. I yeah, actually agree right. with you. Where I think a better way to have played it is that she is in on the plan. She did not prep it. She's not going to betray him with Gordon. You know Gordon's address the way they they prep that. But in the moment when she's with the priest, she has a freak out. Yes. But then mm-hmm. she comes. Yeah. I think they could have played that a little more grounded in a way that still makes her feel like she has agency and she's a three-dimensional character. Yeah. But to mm-hmm. I mean, to he- go back to what you said, when she does leave V's lair and finds an apartment, like, where did she go? How did she get that other apartment? Yeah. How did she get the, like, cinder block bookcase that she put together? She's, yeah. The- she does say fake ID. We just don't know how she gets She says it. fake ID and that people okay, don't. Yeah. I think there's, she's, they said something like, oh, when people, people don't see me as Evie anymore, I think you changed mm-hmm. more of me than, you know, I thought. Just her work logistic. friend hands her her wallet and doesn't recognize her. Uh, yeah, oh, I, yeah, the logistics of it. I mean, if you live in a city long enough, you know where you can go to get a fake ID. Like, I know where to go in L.A. to get a fake okay, ID. I, I have no idea where no to go to get a fake ID. I've lived in Chicago I, for I mean, 10 years. I grew up in L.A. also. So, like, I when I was too. a teenager, I knew where people would go to get fake IDs. I did get a fake ID when I was a teenager or when I was, like, 19. But I don't mm-hmm. know where that guy is. He's, I don't think, I don't know. <laughs> he might. I mean, there are places. Anyway, yeah. regardless, I'm not encouraging anyone to get a no, fake get ID. No, get a fake ID. Um, <laughs> where would I go but, to get a fake ID? Tell me how to do yeah, crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you go to fakeidinmycity.org. <laughs> But uh, what I want to say, my take on the priest thing, and then I want to definitely move us away from that. I don't want to harp on it too much longer. But for me, the thing about the graphic novel, one, Evie is 16, and she is not aware that V has killed anyone other than the Fingerman 
at that point. Um, also, he didn't kill Prothero in the graphic novel. He just made him completely Almost, I would argue, way worse. Which is scarier. Yeah. scarier. Definitely worse. So she, in the movie, she knows that he killed Prothero. So she's like, oh, I'm with a murderer. Okay. Mm. And I think for me, her making that choice to try and extricate herself from the situation, like it was one thing when he was blowing up a building and like doing news broadcasts for, for like a revolution but this is a whole other level, so I need to get out. <laughs> and for me, the reason that she opened the window, because you asked yeah. that, and I did have to think about it. But me, for me, the reason that she opened the window is because she needs V to be able to come inside so that they can take him. Oh. So if she is able oh, to okay, help with the capture yeah. of oh. V, Smart. then that she can get sense. that amnesty that she yeah. is asking for. I'm not saying it was the best choice, no. but I'm saying this is how it makes sense. Totally that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I think that is very grounded that someone who has lived within a system her entire life and works for this system would not want to immediately throw that all away for a murder stranger. Mm-hmm. And she also does have the moment where she realizes that she maced the police officer, the detective, and she was like, why did I do that? Yeah. So mm-hmm. she she kind of has her moments of helping him. She was unwitting in the beginning. She was like, I'll just go on a walk with this man that saved me from being raped by the police. Sure, yeah. And then he blows some stuff up. And then she actually assists him with crime. And then he kidnaps her. And then she finds out that he used her ID to go and murder the Voice of England. So I think that there's right. a progression there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He used her ID. I forgot I that. forgot about that. Uh, mm-hmm, Karama, mm-hmm. I'm back on board. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm here, too. Yeah. Okay, I gotta um, really quick go uh, put my hair in pigtails and seduce a priest. I'll be back. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. In the plot, then she goes to stay with Gordon, which is a sequence that I genuinely love. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love so sweet and so good. I really yep. like him as a character. I do too. But really he's cozy. very funny. Um, yeah. He's one of the characters in this who is kind of a rare character in this who seems to have a really lovely sense of humor. He yeah. makes her the eggs. What do you guys call that? In my family, we always called it hole oh, in, egg in a basket. We called it hole in the eye, which doesn't make any sense. But Never. I, I have that. Egg in a basket. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. We called it egg in a bird's nest yeah. in my house. Mm. You've oh. never had it, Jen? No, I've never had That was like, I, really I saw good. that. I was confused by what it was. I was like, what? <laughs> when I saw, oh, it's really good. When I saw it the first time that V it made it, I was good. like, well, this is a cool dystopian breakfast. Trick yourself. But no, go, go for it. It's fun. It's you use like British. a little glass and you cut out, you cut out okay. the middle and then you, you can do it. it. It's very easy. All you need to do it. One slice of bread and and one egg. Okay, great. Yeah. I'll go, I'll, I'll, and a cookie cutter. I'll go or a glass. Make it be a fun butter. shape if you want. What's yeah. it called? A hole in the eye? I, that's what my family called it. As we've established, it can be a lot of things. Egg in a basket, uh, bird's nest. Okay. I also really like the storytelling of this storyline where it's, you know, in the beginning you think he's a creepy older man that's trying to have sex with Evie and like mm-hmm. a daddy Dietrich. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, as soon as that was said, I'm like, ew. Like I just was immediately like, <laughs> I hate him. And then I saw him like, ugh, that guy. And then they go over and, you know, and we're like, oh, he's actually really sweet. When is he going to be a creep? And I was like, oh no, he's not a creep. Yeah. He's just, and then it just, became so lovely in such a sort of surprising relationship within this movie. In many ways, he's like a version of V that continues to operate within the society. Yeah, he has his yes. own secret room, too, where he has art, art in the Koran and things that would get him killed if anybody found out about them. And yeah. then does, unfortunately. And it does, yeah. I did also wonder, though, like, did he have the secret room built first and then put the things in it? Or did he have the things and then put them in a secret room that he then had built? Like, what was the progression? And like, how did he explain to the contractors what he was going to do? You got to have a secret room room first. You don't uh, don't get Mm -hmm. this stuff unless you have the secret room ready to go. That's what I'm thinking. But then what do you say to the contractors? Do you say like, this is my playroom? Like you're Christian Gray? Like, what's the... You can just say it's a panic room. room. Um, A lot of people have panic rooms. panic room. Yeah, I didn't even think about Or just that. make it a regular room and put a big bookshelf in front of it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> These are things that you think yeah. about in a dystopia. You got to prep mm-hmm. your secret Koran room. Mm-hmm. Did we ever get a sense of what his show was like before the... No. no? I think okay. just like 
bad, like, Carson. British Chuck. Yeah, like, like British like, panel show. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, a bad version of the Graham Norton show. Yeah. Yes. Very, very Graham Norton. Norton. That very Graham Norton. like perfect, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Graham Norton. I loved all the teeth. I loved all the portrayals of TV and media in this. Because, like, yeah. the, the, the reporters as well, just to, like, kind of tangentially. But, like, the report, like, the news reports felt very Fox News vibes, which, like. She, mm-hmm. she, she blinks a lot when she does a story. She yes. knows as well. She knows as not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also loved, and it's such a minor detail of this movie, I love the shots of people watching television in their yeah. homes yeah. because you get to see how normal their homes look. And I think uh, a lot of people think that, you know, if we lived in a dystopia, it would look like Soylent Green, like everything would be terrible and falling apart. And no, their homes look really lovely. Like at least one couple has some really nice built-in bookshelves. It looks really pleasant and normal. And that happens yeah. right and there like, are and yeah. autocracy grows up around and you and things keep looking normal mm-hmm. for a lot of people unless you're a minority or a reporter or uh, not straight or not cis and then and everything looks horrifying i think that's a really good point and because it was connected to something that i like the change of evie having this job because mm-hmm. it, she as like a young pretty mm-hmm. white woman she would have a job in this society yeah. and mm-hmm. it does feel like she has that privilege um even if and it is like comfortable for her even if she is living in this authoritarian regime and it does feel like in the book the options for women are a lot more limited Way more limited mm-hmm. yeah and she has a female boss yeah. in the movie yeah and that's why yeah. this feels mm-hmm. more grounded and more relatable especially to today because it's like oh you can still have creature comforts in regimes that are um very scary mm-hmm. yeah and really i like the choices of seeing the people like the families at home because you don't get that in the book, really. Like, you don't get to see the effects mm-hmm. of, like, what V is doing or what Evie's doing and what, what essentially what the government is doing either. But I love seeing, like, that one scene where the young girl starts to the realize that the news is... Mm-hmm. And she, like, gets yeah. up and is like, bollocks. And I'm like, this is mm-hmm. such a great yeah. tiny detail just to show that, like, what he, the idea that V is pushing is starting to, like, seep its way into people's consciousness. And I think the movie makes a very smart choice of taking the core climax of the novel, which is that V is purposely sowing chaos to tear down this totalitarian government. Sending out mm-hmm. the masks to people is like so a tangible great. thing Amazing. that's very yeah. smart. Where it's like, yeah, if you yeah. want to sow... It's better than poetry. Way, way better, better than weird that's poems like, in the mail. If you want to yeah. sow chaos, mm-hmm. and he does... Don't send people weird poems. Send them <laughs> symbolic masks that kind of make them feel empowered to do things they maybe otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. And also it makes it harder to identify him. Yes. And it makes it more like, this isn't just me. I'm not the only one. Anyone who puts on this mask is a part of this. And, oh, yeah. And that's why I love that. It's like Spider-Man. Yeah, I was going to say it's like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Anyone can wear the mask. <laughs> that scene. You can wear the mask. Uh, at the newsroom where he broadcasts and oh, then he yeah. puts his mask on all those people. It's such a cool, um, like, cinematic scene. But it also, it, 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 how the mask shifts in the movie is, like, in the beginning, it's, like, 
uh, essentially hostages are wearing these masks mm-hmm. so that the police mm-hmm. doesn't know who, who is who. And then thousands and thousands of people are wearing these masks because they are all him. And so I feel like that's a really cool device within the movie. Yeah, I think, yeah. Another really well small logistic thing, though. He said, like, 70,000 masks. <laughs> yeah. And this is, like, I, I guess in, Did you see in 2005 when it was made. He's, yeah. He's well, no, very productive. For me, it was... For me, it was about the logistics of getting yeah. all yeah. Where is he manufacturing them? Where did he them? get those masks? And, like, also just people are different sizes in their bodies. And he didn't just send masks. He also sent, like, capes and hats. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and, like, I have a very large head. Most hats do not fit my head. Did he? So I'm just like, where did he get all these one-size-fits-all hats and capes? They're, like, baseball hats in the back. I, they have, like, I snaps. I hats. I just noticed that they're sending out the mask. I assumed that everyone just like went out and bought those capes. Uh, no, you can see the cape no, in the box the when it's opened. Yeah. yeah. He sent the capes. <laughs> well, I will say there is something about this movie that I enjoy in term like in terms of the the heightening of it to make V a little bit of a superhero. Like mm-hmm. not a full superhero. And I he does die, he is mortal, but like he is like those matrixy moves and whatever. Like Oh yeah, with the knives and the swishing yeah, and you can see the like, swishing yeah. of the knives. Because in the book he is larger than life. He is like does feel kind of like a demigod. And so it is all of these moves then feel of a piece. It's like I believe the way you can move around a room makes me believe you can set up those dominoes and makes mm-hmm. me believe you can figure out how to ship 70,000 masks. He does, they do mention in like a tiny aside that during the, I know what you're during the experiments that Subject 5 got heightened reflexes and like oh, speed. Yeah, so they speed. like give him superpowers in oh. the movie that he it's, doesn't, not superpowers, but It's a little but X-Man. Like, Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's now very. I don't know if I liked that. Me neither. I think uh, maybe some executive was like, "He's very good at dodging knives. How did he do that?" It's like, fine. <laughs> we'll put it in. We'll put it in the script. We'll, put yeah, it in then we'll just give it a little aside. It's like he loves, and I like that in the movie. Another thing that we don't get in the book is he he loves the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, I which is just too, like kind yeah. of fun and per, like a little personal detail, and he likes that it's yeah. romantic and. It's sweet. You get your own Yeah. It makes me seem like a lot more fun to hang out with yeah. me if you can eat, like, egg in a basket and watch a movie with him than <laughs> he's if like, he's mm-hmm. always quoting Aleister Crowley at you in an aggressive <laughs> I mean, I love that cat power. He's work. got cat power yeah, on that, his jukebox. Yeah. yeah. Practicing. And Anthony and the Johnsons. I was like, okay, he's he's got a great, yeah. he's got great taste in music. Practicing cat power, another point in the he's gay yeah, column. Yeah, you're right. Just oh, yeah. Also, Anthony, and Anthony, very and Anthony in the Johnsons. Pra- practicing his sword work against the, the knight, the armor is yeah. adorable, adorable to me. Adorable. While <laughs> quoting the, the movie yeah. at the same time. Pretty cute. <laughs> I mean, How this, could you be afraid of that guy? This V is so great, and this V to me gets the ending that I wanted in the book, which mm-hmm. is like he shows up to a to a situation that he will not win. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like all of Prothero's men, and so to have him like take all these bullets and then be like, "Okay, now my turn." I was like, "This ah! is the, this is the ending that yeah. I wanted for him." Yeah, he gets to hear his ending. Forgot, this is the first time you've seen the movie because mm-hmm. like I was waiting for the my turn and like oh. when he, I wish I could experience that for it the first amazing. time again. And he's like, "I really bitches." Fun. 
<laughs> and him describing how he was going to kill yes. Watson Creedy. Uh, oh, Creedy, that's right. Um, yeah. It was so fun. And it was like exactly, because I'm so used to watching like superhero, superhero movies where they actually can't die. And so it is so fun to see him have these like cool higher level moves, but then he is still mm-hmm. a mortal man. Like that is mm-hmm. what was so satisfying about it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two things. One, uh, I the scene where he's like, this is how I'm going to kill you, reminded me of the scene in Charlie's Angels, the film, where Drew Barrymore's character is like, I'm going to tackle all of you and then I'm going to moonwalk out of here. <laughs> and then she does it. And I'm just like, I love it when you set up a, a goal, a hypothesis, and then you solve it with your experiment. It's like, that's the scientific method right there. Yeah, that, yeah. And th- Tan, that scene, which you were like, yeah, it's the ending I wanted. I totally agreed. And it also, to me, felt like the best example of the screenwriters taking an element from the book and then translating it into being satisfied, where what they took Mm -hmm. was like, what V's plan was is he knows that in this system, there's going to be backstabbing and discord among the party members. But rather than do this like weird, elaborate puppet master ruse that wouldn't make sense, (laughs) he literally goes to Creedy sets up this backstab mm-hmm. and then reaps the results. Like we see the cause mm-hmm. and effect in a very clear way where even though the the mm-hmm. pieces are the same as they were in the book and the point is the same, the cause and effect is much cleaner, much clearer. And then we get this fun moment. With yeah. this, uh, we get a dramatic death. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Creedy does not understand the concept of bulletproof, bulletproof vests. <laughs> he just He's don't. like, why aren't you dying? And I'm like, aren't you a cop? But also, bulletproof vests, if, I mean, I've, I've knocked on wood, never gotten hit by one. They they would mm-hmm. knock you down. They don't stop. They stop you from dying, but they also, you'll like be bleeding or bruised. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it wasn't perfect. But also he was like, but I don't understand how you are still alive. And I'm like, it's clearly a bulletproof situation. Like, you are a cop. You should know this. I mean, that ending, too, of having um, the high chancellor being killed by Creedy felt really satisfying, too, instead of, I mean, I know they intentionally streamlined Rosemary out and um, Helen Heyer out of this. Mm-hmm. And I think it. I think it worked. I think the addition of them. Yeah, I think for have, good reason. I think for good reason. Yeah. No. The problem in this dystopia is not the patriarchy, and I do feel like uh, that's different in the book. Yeah. Where, mm-hmm. Yeah. The powerlessness of women in that society is a big part of the book. Yeah. So like ha- yeah. not having those two, I think, was again a great a great choice on the on on the Wachowski sisters to like not add any more extra extraneous stuff just to honor the book. I thought that was a great choice. And the only time we even get the other um, body parts of the Norse fire party are during like when Adam, uh, his name is Adam. It's not Adam Susan. It's Adam Sutler in this. They made it sound more like Hitler in the movie. Oh, I didn't think Mm -hmm. about that, but yeah, they did. Oh, I read that on IMDb. That was not an organic realization (laughs) for me. I thought they were just like, (laughs) Uh, the last name Susan. That's not strong <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Where they were like, it's uh, sort of weird. But I was saying, there's like the li- the only time we get like um, Das the names like Daskam and Etheridge. Just he's like Etheridge. How are things at the year? Mm. You know. And yeah, that's I will true. say the only thing about the ending that was a little unbelievable was um, little little tiny Natalie Portman being able to pick up the like she did. Yeah. She was not working out. <laughs> she, the didn't way the way she didn't do the weightlifting. She didn't do the weightlifting. There the was no foreshadowing of no. strength being used. 
She's just a little Can wave I? picking up ooh, a grown, ooh. bleeding man. <laughs> Last week, I promised that there was more I wanted to say about the uh, destruction and creation, two sides of anarchy. Mm. And I think that we get this lovely scene where um, Evie is like, God is in the rain, and she's gone out to the rain to sort of like have her renaissance moment, mm-hmm. r- literally rebirth moment. Um but they inter they like intersplice it with the scenes of V coming out from the fire, and fire is used to destroy, and rain is used to create. Ooh. And I thought that was really interesting. Ooh. There we go. Love yeah. that. Well said. Love we have both of their heroic moment. I was just gonna Thank say you. then the end where he gives her the choice to pull the. Mm-hmm. I think is great because it's you know the choice should be to the people. What I mm-hmm. didn't love was. Um, I don't mind a kiss. I think a kiss to a mask can be sweet and can be earnest. I didn't love the I love you. We don't need them to love. You can. Okay, but Valerie loves everyone. Like, I think the movie and the the book is very good. But but they don't don't play it. I would have. That's why I was okay with the kiss. A kiss to me would have played like a Valerie love. Mm -hmm. But the way they play it feels like a love They play it as a love story, especially like that moment when he, when Evie leaves and he is left alone, and he like throws his mask and cries yeah. like a lover. It's, very, it's like the Beauty mask. and the Beast. It. It's very Beauty and yeah, the Beast. I did not like that either. I mean, yeah. roses, Where he's like, know? I just wanted to see your face one last time. That's like a yeah. line actually out of Beauty and the Beast. And she's like, I promised. I, <laughs> I promised. <laughs> no, too good, Melissa. Make it like a little weirder. <laughs> I promised. He really does mm-hmm. such a good job of bringing life to that mask. Like, I know we joke around of like the theatrical, but like he really did. He really did. He's very expressive, which is a crazy thing. He's flipping his hair around all the time. And also what's wild to me is that the whole, all of his audio was done in post. Also, mm-hmm. oh, really? I didn't know that. That's so cool. That's cool. I didn't know. Yeah, that I mean, he was saying things while he was there. Obviously, yeah. he wasn't like <laughs> miming, but they had to redo everything in post. Oh, and yeah. so it was a great physical performance, and then a great voiceover performance. And he also mm-hmm. then voiced over a little bit that was from the first guy. Oh yeah. yeah. Could you tell? No. Could y'all tell? No, I couldn't no. tell. I who couldn't was tell. Who. No, I was looking. I think it would. I think they probably just used it for like like filler shot you know what i mean like some basic shots that they couldn't read well no he worked for like six weeks before he left I know, but we don't know what they saved and what they didn't yeah they you know whatchamacallit eric stoltz worked for six weeks on back to the future before they fired him mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I did not. Cool. yeah, oh. yeah the, in, in her it wasn't supposed to be scarlett johansson it was someone else uh samantha morton with Samantha Morton, and they were like all of Joaquin Phoenix's um, uh, acting is against Samantha Morton. Oh, that's very mm-hmm. interesting. Huh. I didn't know yeah. that. Anyway, fun fact. Yeah, a lot of fun voiceover and casting facts that we're getting here. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I do think this is this is the one time where I was like, I think this is that other dude. The scene uh, where it's the show within the movie. Oh yeah, I was like. I think it's that other guy the there where he's V and he's like being a little scamp and he's got his little cigar. I'm going to say, like, I think it's neither. <laughs> I think it's just a random guy. I, you think that was just like a stunt yeah. double? <laughs> well, I also think what's interesting about this is like, 
he he did such a good job with it, but it also is a character that lends itself to such great physicality because mm-hmm. this character is so theatrical and like so there is so much body movement. I think about in comparison the Mandalorian where I get very frustrated with that show because it's just like, Pedro Pascal is behind that mask. Why can't we just see Pedro Pascal? Um, (laughs) And it's like, oh, there's just a lead character that gives us nothing. But that's because it's a stoic man behind a mask. Mm. And that's boring. Mm -hmm. But a theatrical man behind a mask is great is really yeah he fun. like flips his hair like an anime character all the time yes yep very fun love it <laughs> yes. you just expect it. like stars yeah. to come out yeah. <laughs> it's great i love the hair also yeah i don't know i just really enjoyed the like yeah, yeah me too little, like yeah. i'm chic i i wear i wear clothes from chico's haircut <laughs> i also really love the shadow gallery i thought it yeah. was like better than i could have imagined and i feel like yeah. whatever location that was was so cool it wasn't like mm-hmm. i was i guess since it's 2005 it wouldn't have been as but like nowadays that probably would have been some kind of green screened situation mm-hmm. of some like magical sort of place but i like that it just felt like a real um cool old english uh building it also to me feels much more um, homey and exciting than mm-hmm. the shadow gallery that we get in the book, which like I can't picture its mm-hmm. dimensions, but the shadow gallery yeah. in the movie, like I want to live there. Invent it feels dimensions. Yeah. yeah, they just invent new dimensions <laughs> in the third book. They're like, did you know there was an elevator here? Nope. <laughs> well, here it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the end, I think uh, uh, Creedy's journey, which doesn't involve LSD, but he still figures out. He somehow, without LSD, figures out where uh, V's hideout is. Finchy. Not Creedy, right? Finch? Finch. 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 Sorry, not Creedy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, uh, Finch figures it out, even without LSD, gets there, but lets Evie pull it because at this point mm-hmm. he had come on this journey and realized that yeah. this government needed to fall. And I think that that is a very hopeful and cathartic mm-hmm. moment. And then it's paired with this tearjerker of a finale. Yeah. Yeah. The music, really it all works finale. for me. Oh, it's really nice. I think what, what I like the best is that the shots of Gordon and Valerie in the audience are so fast. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't um, make it, it, you know, it doesn't condescend. Yeah, I really and like it. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. And it does blend them with the other people that we've been watching watch television, the family, the little girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's really, it. yeah, d- what you were saying is right. oh we never <laughs> talked about the little oh, girl the little girl dying. Yes, yes she dies I know. Yeah. uh yeah she Which, v describes it in voiceover or someone else does that with all this like cha- finch. finch does that finch. with all this chaos mm-hmm. someone is going to do something and people are going to boil over and what happens is this girl wearing a V mask uh, is spray painting an upside down anarchy symbol, which I obviously immediately recognized as the V logo. <laughs> and uh, he shoots her. He's a plain clothes fingerman, it turns mm-hmm. out. But the crowd is furious and the crowd moves on him in a way that shows that everyday people are rising up against the government. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm just going to say, I think when um, policemen shoot unarmed young people, People absolutely should rise up against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's also it was a very hopeful ending that like mm-hmm. all of the folks in the V masks are walking towards like the wall of 
military men and mm. they put their guns down. And I was like, this is such <sighs> a hopeful choice that we but are it's, seeing. But yeah. it's the orchestrated it because all the hierarchy are all yeah, dead. They can't follow orders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like they're just there. I was just following orders, people, but there are no orders. So it's in that totally. moment, they have to choose. Because they're like, mm-hmm. like who they're am like, I? Adam Sutler's not coming through. And they're like, go to Creedy. And they're like, Creedy's not coming through. You know, like it's like he mm-hmm. figured out the system where it's like the, with no orders to obey. They they just were like, oh, we don't. It's like toys without anyone to play with. I mean, st- I yeah. still I wanna, think it's a very yeah. ho- hopeful. Oh, it's yeah. very optimistic. Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It's very optimistic. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to the young woman who died. Um, I think that it's really interesting. In the news reports after that, they talk about riots in Brixton. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know a lot about England, clearly, because I asked the other day, uh, like in one of our previous recording sessions, does England have just the BBC or do they have other channels? So clearly not very in the know about England. So I looked up more about Brixton because it's a place I had heard of in like grime music. I'm like, yeah, I've read Brixton, blah, 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 blah. Like I was like, okay, I don't know what that means though. And Brixton was actually the site of riots in the 80s. So I thought that was a really yeah. interesting nod to the mm. origins of the story. Look at that. Great. I, like that. Um, yeah, Great I info, learned a thing. Thank you. Yeah, I think where the book, you know, Ellen Moore was mad that they, you know, didn't make it specifically about Margaret Thatcher and anarchy. I think mm-hmm. that it, it the, the movie working so well and resonating so well, I do think speaks to the universality of the themes. And it is yeah. feels very weird that an author wouldn't be like excited about that. I think yeah. it's some, it, it seems it, it also seems like we're talking, it seems like an author that is too precious with their work. That's mm-hmm. what I, I mean, what it comes down to, because it, we're talking about all the changes that we really liked that we felt like made the story better. And you, I feel like for Alan Moore, it's basically like every, Every change is a comment and a criticism on his work. I would assume is what he means. And, I mean, you're allowed to feel that way. Like there are lots of writers who don't want to watch movie adaptations of their work because they just know Absolutely. they won't like it, and that's fine. Yeah, taking yeah. his name I off think, though, though is for salty. me. It's the taking his name off. <laughs> that's and, weird. And, yeah. Yeah. I hate that's this weird. so much. I'm being very vocal about it. I mean, like, rah! I don't. I hate it. Uh, I wonder what he thinks <laughs> yeah. of the current Watchmen because I get. I think not he probably liking, likes it more. I bet not. I, I doubt so. it. I bet he, I bet he doesn't. Like, this is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the show or the, the sh- movie? Because I. The show. Oh no, okay. the show. I'm talking about the show, which is also good. Much like V for Vendetta is good. Yeah. I yeah, the movie really isn't show. great. The movie of Watchmen bad. is terrible. Oh, the movie's bad. Yeah, but this is a good movie, and he hates it, which leads me to believe that like the Watchmen TV show is so good, but probably Alan Moore and his like weird <laughs> wizard cave is like. It, but in my imagined sequel, it goes like this. Like he doesn't seem like someone who can let go of yeah. his characters. Which is his right. I mean, he's still letting them make it. So that for me is like, he's like, look, if the people want this thing, I'll let them have it. But I'm not going to say that I condone it. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. I I like the I I like the quirkiness of it. And it's like, oh, Alan Moore, you're just like letting these kids run around with their books. Be like, oh, stupid kids have it. Fine. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. Alan Moore has said he wants nothing to do with HBO's adaptation of Watchmen. So great. Fine. Love that yeah. for him. That's his, that's his I, classic. I was ready to let him be like, yeah, people like this. This is cool. But he's he's consistent. Yeah. If nothing yeah. else, he's, he's consistent. 100% mm-hmm. consistent. Yeah. Except for um, From Hell. He loves that watch. Really? Really? No. Oh. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we were like, wow. Alan Moore's happy. We just want him to be happy with something. Yeah. But question. So this movie was made in 2005, a thing that we have said multiple times. But my question is, the world now is very noticeably different than it was in 2005. And arguably, 2005 is more similar in the way that the world was to the 1980s when when V for Vendetta was written than 2005 is to now, Mm -hmm. even. So if this movie were to be made today, how do you think it would be different? Like, are there things that you're like, oh, there's no way this would fly in an adaptation today Mm -hmm. or this feels very dated? Like, I'm curious about like looking at this in 2020 and for some of you having seen it for the first time Mm -hmm. in 2020, how that feels. Okay, I saw this in theaters and I don't remember people thinking it was a hyper political statement. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, maybe Whoa. they did, <laughs> um, but there are so many alt right guys who have a profile picture yeah. of V for Vendetta. Um, so apparently there was a way to like watch this movie and be like, I love Donald Trump and V for Vendetta, and I don't know how those two things fit together in your brain. I mean, I was but... gonna say I think that it probably will be adapted again mm-hmm. very soon, and it will be a limited series for HBO. Like I think this kind yeah. of movie, mm. if it were made now, I think most of these kinds of like big idea movies are now limited series or or mm-hmm. several or like Handmaid's Tale, Watchmen, and I think they would include all of the other characters. I think they would include Rosemary and Helen Heyer and they would be all of these um different sort of storylines wrapping together and yeah. uh and it would probably add more story than it would subtract. I think it know? would be also dark as hell. Like I can imagine yes. that it would be the adaptation for this in your in, in the limited miniseries would be like very bleak given what we're mm-hmm. experiencing right I now. I think we are going to get a sad cabaret. They love, I feel like a prestige drama loves like sad sexualization. Like mm-hmm. when it can, something can be both very oh, yeah, sexy like and very sad. Yes. At the same HBO. Time. All, that's all. Yes. That's all they, oh yeah. Westworld or I think Game of, of Natalie Portman in Closer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. she's like, oh, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes mm-hmm. off. But it's better if you do. Obviously, that was a play first. Great mm-hmm. adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, love that movie. Uh, and also, if it were made into an HBO limited series, Alan Moore would want nothing to oh, do that with it. Yeah, that's the one thing <laughs> we know. through line. Taylor's all this time. <laughs> um, the thing that very famously happened was uh, Natalie Portman actually shaved her head, and that was the real footage mm-hmm. that they used. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking, like, what if they fucked up? Like, she has to be crying for that. And I was just like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. they only get one shot. I know. That's also, having seen, that's entertainment, baby. Having <laughs> seen that clip in pop culture, just like reused over and over and yeah. over again, to see it in the film, I will say it made me laugh. <laughs> I know that was oh, not no. the intended oh, purpose no. of that, but like having, yeah, just having seen this like crying Natalie Portman, 
And then mm -hmm. it did not have the effect that I think it would have had if I had not seen all <laughs> of the other crying Natalie Portmans. Yeah. That's kind of the danger with seeing media, not danger, but kind of the um, collateral damage of seeing media later than it <laughs> actually, like, later than immediately, because we memify and, like, make things into gifts so quickly and turn them into something else. And, like, I haven't seen Marriage Story. I never will watch Marriage Story. But yeah, that scene where um, Adam driver punches a wall has just been wrecked. I'm not going to take it seriously if I watch that well, movie. Yeah, it is better than the meme. I The, the meme made me not yes. want to watch the movie. So I'm like, this is a dumb mm -hmm. movie. And then I was like, oh, it's actually much better than that. <laughs> right. And things are better in context. But uh, something I wanted to say about the shaving scene is that it's like in the 40-year-old virgin when they oh. had to do the waxing scene, they really did that to Steve yeah. Carell. And they had one shot because you cannot fake <sighs> waxing <laughs> like I that. I mean, there's a lot of those one-shot things, you know, done in certain movies and it is, I feel like everything mm -hmm. comes down to camera focus. It's like, mm -hmm. because that's a lot of the time why things get, you know, they need to go again. As You know, it's actually, depending on the director, but like, a acting comes last to it, usually. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it would, I would just laugh so much if it's like, they did the scene. She was cry full crying, shaved. It's like, oh, God, we're, yeah, we're a little soft on the focus. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. They used not three cameras. <laughs> oh, they, they used three cameras for that scene. That makes oh, sense. That's yeah. a good idea. One, one yeah. has to get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap, any final notes on V for Vendetta, the film? A plus adaptation. Good yeah. movie. Really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Would suggest it to all friends. The best adaptation of, mm -hmm. of the ones that we've watched, I would say. Yes. I, I mentioned last week there are a, a hand, small handful of films that I think are better than the books they're based on. V for Vendetta, mm -hmm. I think, is one of them. Fight Club is another. Yep. And it's a, it's a pretty mm -hmm. small list. Mm -hmm. And then there's a very, very short list, i.e. one film that is exactly true to the book. They are exactly the same. And that is Holes. <laughs> Holes is a perfect adaptation. I've said it before. I think I said it when we were talking about like normal people. If y'all have not seen Holes and read the book, it is perfect. Like, I will not. I, I will die on that hill. I will die in that hole. Um, <laughs> well, on that note. I've been wanting to say Vanarchy in the UK this whole time and have not found a reason to say it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I think the end is perfect. But uh, Vanarchy in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dana Schwartz, and you can find me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. You can follow Jennifer Wright at Jen Ashley Wright. Karama Dankwa is at Karama Drama. Melissa Hunter is at Melissa FTW. And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. 
People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.